We just like to see the boys hit it deep. There's nothing like the view from the Chiefs. Hey everybody, welcome to the season opener, season two of Pull Tab Sports Make Glove Not War, your home for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, we won't talk spring training games, I promise. I promised our guests that we don't care what happens in spring training, but uh, thanks. We're super excited to get season two underway. We're coming to you today from the Let's Play Hockey Expo. We're the, we're the bullpen today. We're the last podcast of the day. Um, it remains to be seen which one of us is Duran, which one of us is maybe... Um, Jorge Lopez, which one of us is Emilio Pagan? That's probably your host. Your host is going to give up the three-run home run in the, in the eighth to make a 3-2 lead into a 5-3 uh, deficit. But anyways, thanks both for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thank you, Ryan. Happy to be here. I'm glad it worked out with the overtime game. <laughs> Heather, uh, Heather was joined us one episode last year. She uh, has many, many gigs, but one of which is Twins in Season Social Media. So that's always, always fun. We'll talk a little bit about that. Ross Brendel, Minnesota Sports Chat. Score North, a lot of other. Uh, Ross is a man about town for sure. I just want to talk right off the bat about Carlos Correa. Um, everybody knows the timeline, but, you know, mid-December signs that 13-year, $350 million deal with the Giants. We all thought he was gone halfway through last year, so we were prepared for it. Uh, a week later, press conference gets canceled because there was, you know, some talk about his wonky ankle. Uh, a couple days later, the Mets, 12 years, $315 million. Of course, that didn't happen either. Another three months later, He's back in the blue, red, and white. Heather, at any point during that stretch, did you think you'd be doing Carlos Correa gifts from Twin Social Media this summer, or had you kind of given it up? Given it up? I that was the weirdest saga ever, wasn't it? I mean, I thought for sure, like everybody else, like he was he was gone. It was a one year thing, and then you hear, okay, well, to happen with one team, you know, with the Giants, and then then to happen with another team, it's like, well, wait a minute, like, yeah, there was no way I thought it was going to get done with the twins again. I mean, that was one of the, the strangest things. Um, so for him to be back is interesting. I will be, I'll be excited to see what he does kind of, I think right out of the gate in the spring. Um, I remember last year he had a little bit of a slower start offensively. And then I think he got, I don't know if he had some time with, with COVID he was out or he, and then he got um, hit by pitch and was out injured for a little bit too. So I'll be interested to see if he can, kind of step it up offensively right off the bat. And I feel like it, it took a little while last year. His kind of big signature moment was the, they finally won a game in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I, I mean, it was yeah. kind of after things were kind of going downhill a little bit in September in the standings for the Twins. But, um, you know, he that was kind of his one big moment. But, yeah, I, I didn't imagine that he would be back again. Um, that's still kind of... That's that'll go down as one of the weirdest. Uh, it is a sports business. It'll go down as one of the weirdest things ever. You know, we wound up six years, two hundred million. He got more money per year. Obviously, less term because of the the issues with the ankle. Um, I don't know. We all knew he was gone again, but you saw him like on, on the Fox broadcast in the postseason. The Giants were certainly going to be a contender. You just saw him going to New York. I mean, he's just, he's so polished. He's so good at what he does. Um, this is, I mean, you got this guy for six years. You're paying him a, a bunch of money, but he is an elite player. And you've, if you're the Twins, you, you can't mess this up, right? Well, and in back-to-back -back years, essentially, the Twins have went out and bought one of the better free agents on the market. This, this time around, the second time around, it took a little of, luck, misfortune, whatever you want to call it, for him to wind up a member of the Minnesota Twins. Heather's point is is great about how will he start this year. 
looking back at how his contract played out, opting out, going to the open market, I always thought he was going to opt in and stay here for at least two years. But it's kind of apparent now that from the get-go, he was always going to opt out. So did he always know Minnesota, at least at the time, was short-term? Did it ever really feel like home to him? Well, now it is home. It was home last year. It's going to be home for more than likely at least six seasons. What I find so incredibly interesting here is you had two clubs that you mentioned basically rolled out the red carpet. Here's all the money. Then they do their medicals. Both clubs come to the consensus. We don't want to go through on this. Twins basically swoop in and say, (laughs) well, he played for us all of last year. We're pretty comfortable or it must be comfortable enough to a point to give him this six-year deal. Last week, I don't know if you guys heard this. I believe it was Michael K. Michael K. came out. He's in New York and said the, the Mets feel like his ankles on like a three, four year window that eventually it'll just disintegrate and basically blow up. Don't know if that's true, right? But logically, if it is true, well then Ryan, you just said the twins can't screw this up. Well, they probably can't screw it up in the next three to four years, maybe. Maybe you can't count on year five and six. But I think this is a very calculated risk and a risk worth taking for the Minnesota Twins. You get that guy with a postseason pedigree. You get that natural born leader. You get a guy who's respected in the clubhouse to go along with a lot of good young talent. I think it is a no brainer for the Minnesota Twins, but it is now up to them to not screw it up. And a part of not screwing it up is going to be finding pitchers and maybe they have and identifying pitchers where their arms aren't literally going to fall off like right. seemingly everything they touched last season. And, you know, we talked about um, his his leadership and how maybe he was one foot out the door. I think he's one foot out the door, you know, for one, at least once things started going downhill. But you've got a guy now who's committed. So yeah. you expect all the things we saw. And, you know, I'm sure it was a little bit stressful for him as well, knowing that, you know, free agencies out there and he wanted to do well and maybe he didn't have the offensive season he wanted. But now there's no excuse now. I mean, he is. This is his team, Byron Buxton. Be damned. This is Carlos yeah. Correa's yep. team. <laughs> right. Um, so there's. He's just got to go out there. He's got to play 140, 145 games, even if he DHs. We'll talk about the maybe the DH backlog at some point. They've got a, a lot of players <laughs> who may need to be DHing at some point this year. But uh, I want to switch to Ross. You mentioned the pitching staff and. Um, gosh, Bailey Ober, who last year was maybe one of the most consistent starters, is yeah. probably going to start the year in AAA. Yeah. That's how good this pitching staff is. How excited are you to watch Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray? I mean, Tyler Mayo got hurt last year. Yeah. Hopefully, my is back. That's a, the best pitching staff on paper I can remember for this team in at least eight or nine years. And, of course, Pablo Lopez, who you gave up Luis Arise to get, who I think the ceiling for Pablo Lopez is still higher than anything we've seen in the last few years. Will he get that, get, you know, will he get to in the next echelon and elevate himself? I don't know, but the current Pablo Lopez is also pretty good. What you just said though, Ryan, that's a great problem to have is to have some of these guys starting in AAA and having some of that depth of guys who have pitched and have big league experience. And you know, they are big league pitchers. Bailey Ober, if it's not for the Minnesota Twins, it probably isn't going to be right away would probably be starting on 20 major league teams this year, maybe even a few more. And I'm not saying that the Twins pitching staff is, you know, it's not John Smoltz, you know, Glavin and, you know, the 90s Braves, 
but it is a solid one through five rotation and it's going to give you a chance to win every day and it's going to give you a chance to win a division that I think is good, not great. And it's going to give you a chance to hopefully take some swings in the playoffs and end that playoff losing streak. I, I'm I'm excited to see how this plays out. I don't people get so hung up on who the opening day starter is. By game eight, it doesn't really matter. You know, guys, guys get skipped. Maybe a guy gets injured right off the bat. I'm just excited about the the organizational and rotational depth that I think, to your point, when you talk about Pablo Lopez into Sonny Gray or Joe Ryan or some form of that, then you still have Mali and you have Maeda, but you take those first three, one of those three guys has to win a playoff game, right? Or at least are they, one are of Are they playing the Yankees? Or at least Sorry. one of those three. <laughs> I mean, to me, to me, and I know we might get there, and I don't want to dovetail too much, but this season for me is all about, I don't care a ton about what you do in the regular season. I do expect you to make the playoffs. I care about what you do when you get there. And I'm not even saying you have to win a series. We gotta win a game. Yeah. I mean, you just, you gotta, it's almost 20 years. Think about how much has changed in every one of our lives since the Twins last won a playoff game. You know, last year I, did, I made the joke a lot that the Twins had five or six or seven number five starters. Yes. This year they probably have three solid number twos. Yep. Um, Heather Dross just said opening day starters don't matter, but I think it, I think they do. For you know, we want to. Who, who's your Who's your opening day starter? <laughs> Rocco Rule. I like that. I'm going to start calling you that, Heather. <laughs> Rocco Rule. Um, you know, I'd say Joe Ryan. Why not? Yeah. Uh, um, Joe Ryan's but, a big fan around these parts because of because of his hair. So we yeah, love Joe Ryan. I, I noticed he cut his hair though. There was some footage from spring training the other day. It don't tell like, the boss. Don't tell. Don't tell the boss. It, it looked like his hair is shorter. Um, but I I kind of tend to agree. I I think there's a lot of hype with the opening day stuff too and opening day starters. Um, you know, there's so much pomp and circumstance around that anyway. I mean, half the teams end up losing their games opening day. Like it's sort of you know it's right. And when you get down to it, it's one out of, you know, 162. Um, but, you know, I like Joe Ryan. I think it'll be interesting to see Kenta Maeda um, and what he's able to do coming back from from injury. It's, it sounded like he probably could have been ready to go in September for a couple of starts if needed, if things were different um, with the playoff picture at that time. So he didn't come back. Um, but talking about Bailey Ober, too, what's interesting to me about him is I, I feel like this isn't done as much anymore, but the... Um, the long man out of the bullpen. Um, I I think that could be a really good role for him. You know, I don't know if that's teams are just doing away with that because things are different. You know, you have openers and you have shorter starts from starting pitchers. Um, But just the way they've really, because I know he's had a couple injury issues too, the way they've really kept tabs on his pitch counts and his, you know, he doesn't go very long into games. They're very conscious of that. But I've always liked his stuff. I thought he's done really well for them. So, yeah, it is interesting that he might, you know, start the season in in AAA. Um, But I, yeah, I would love to see him and maybe, you know, if they were going to take him out of a starting rotation role, you know, um, to see him kind of be that long man out of the bullpen. But well, how many games last year did the starter go three innings, get rocked, and then they literally blow the bullpen because they, they didn't really right. have anybody who could go more than four or five, six batters. So you're great. You're right. If, and especially you got to get like Maeda, who's not going to be able to go more than three or four innings. One to think to start coming off Tommy John, you've got a guy who can go out and at least eat some innings and save 
um, save your better pitchers your for your high leverage situations, as Rocco will. Um, so that, that's a great point. Let's talk here real quick from one of our sponsors, Duke Cannon. You see all the we're, we are at the Let's Play Hockey Expo. You might hear some hockey shots in the background. All hockey hair team coming soon. Um, you, so you want to win salad season with Duke Cannon. Spring, what kind of season is it? Salad season around here. In the state of hockey, the stakes are raised high. It's the high school tournament next door. College hockey coming to a conclusion. The best of the best is on display at the section finals, the NCAA tournament, the state tournament. Duke Cannon is so dialed in on hockey. Most of their products come in puck-shaped containers, including their popular shampoo pucks. I think Ross might wind up with one of these on his way home today. <laughs> if your hair is a weapon or you wish it was, you won't find a better product than Duke Cannon Serious Flow. This lightweight main tamer will keep your salad in the top line when it matters most. That's what the rest of the stuff you see here. So thanks for Duke Cannon for making all this possible, especially out here at the, uh, at the Hockey Expo. Let's talk about the lineup. There are some changes for sure. Um, Arise is gone. Um, Byron Buxton has been healthy so far last played in a game in, in mid-August. You know, maybe a little bit of the pressure is going to be taken off this offense, knowing your, your pitching staff's a little bit better. Um, I'm a little concerned about health. Kirloff, who knows? Miranda missed World Baseball Championships because of a, a sore shoulder. So you've got a lot of bats, but Ross, are you worried at all about where they're going to go in an infield when, you, you know, you have a kind of a flux of corner outfielders in the outfield, you have a flux of middle infielders. How does this all fit together in your opinion? Well, I think two things to your point on health. I think the Twins went out and specifically acquired two players to protect themselves a little bit. Kyle Farmer being one of them. He can pretty much play any position in the infield. You can probably slide him in, which we all love infielders in the outfield if you need one of those. But also Michael A. Taylor. I think the Minnesota Twins want Byron Buxton to play as much as possible. But if you can't have Byron Buxton out there playing every day, what's close to that? You know, uh, Moneyball, you know, what, what was fake Billy Bean talking about? Recreating players in the aggregate, right? They've kind of done that with Michael A. Taylor. They went and found a guy who's a pretty good hitter, serviceable with the bat, and can cover a lot of ground in the outfield. That's the, the guy won a gold glove recently within the last couple of years. So that that's a pretty big move on my part, or at least from where I'm sitting, I think that's a pretty good move. Health, you just, you don't know. I mean, it's a 162-game season. You're going to be stretched. You're going to be taxed. Guys are going to miss games. That's where the organizational depth comes into play. And I think the Twins have done a pretty good job with that. I, the Kirilov thing, I, I don't know. I mean, I keep seeing stuff where people think, he, you know, he's projected to be in an opening day lineup. I, I don't know. I don't see that at this point. As we sit here and record this today, we're two and a half weeks out from the regular season starting. But I don't know. I mean, overall, though, I feel pretty good about the shape of the roster. To me, Buxton, it's just it literally is a day by day thing. You can tell me he's healthy now and I'm not trying to rib him. It's right. not his fault, but he's healthy today. We have no idea if he'll be healthy on April 8th. All it takes is one one ball that's about two feet over the wall that he thinks he can get and hitting the wall wrong. Or maybe it's a slide because chronic knee trouble now is what we're, is what we're hearing. So I, I don't know. I just think the, the Michael A. Taylor thing, it, it, to me, that's an indication and a sign that the twins know either A, they have a plan or B, they know that they can't maybe get the amount of games out of him that they want. So how can they basically replicate a form of him not only in the lineup, but probably more importantly in the field. And honestly, that's one of the what the deadline last year they went out and they got bail, they got Lopez. 
Um, but, and I said at the time, they don't have a backup plan well, for Byron Buxton. And they've always been short on bench bats. Right. That shouldn't yeah. be the case this year. No, absolutely not. But that they were rolling whoever out there at center field on a regular basis after the deadline. They've got these, you know, pitchers that they gave some things up for and they're paying some money. And they, Celestino, nothing against him when he knows what how many outs there are. Um, you know, I think fundamentals last year too, Heather. Um, I think I, we talked about Correa, you know, being kind of all in now, but... There's no more excuse for fundamental errors, I think, on this team now. They've got enough veterans around where you're going to see a much more professional lineup night in, night out. On fundamentals, yeah. the one thing I'm going to add to that, and it is a fundamental, but maybe not a fielding fundamental, this was one of the worst base running teams I think I'd ever seen in my life last year. Like, comically bad. They would, I think every other game they had, they had given up an extra out on the base pass, running themselves out of an inning. That stuff can't continue to happen. I, I I don't expect that it will, but that is a huge part of the game, especially when you're talking about games that are won and lost by one run. Well, if every other game you're running yourself out of an inning because of a bad base running mistake, you, you just can't have that stuff. And I, I really, really hope that that's better this year. Don't know if it will be. Time will tell. We'll have to see it. But that was probably my biggest pet peeve last year was just for a team that used to pride itself on, you know, pitching and fundamentals, defense and fundamentals, base running last year was comically bad. And, yeah. you know, the, I think the bullpen is going to be part of that as well. And we make jokes about Pagan, but um, he's no better than your fourth best reliever this year. So they should use him in those situations. But, um, you know, is it Duran Lopez and pray for rain here? I, one of the things lost last year, <laughs> Caleb Thibault had a great, tremendous yes. second yeah, half of the year did. so they've really they've got seventh eighth ninth inning they've got some pitchers who can go deep um what's your what's your thought on the bullpen in particular Heather I think uh, you know what's interesting to me when I think and you had said something earlier that kind of reminded me of it um with just how taxed the bullpen got w with the starters and it turned into sometimes just this vicious cycle of you know sometimes uh you know they pull a starter maybe too early some people thought or you know maybe they're worried about pitch count or well then all of a sudden your bullpen has to fill you know how many five six you know seven innings whatever it is and then you know maybe the next day or two days later you know there's a starting pitcher that doesn't have it and he's struggling out there and then it turns into a situation where you're kind of asking the starter to well sorry you got to wear this one because now our bullpen's tired and because we've used these guys you know two or three days in a row and we can't go to them so you've got to pitch you know five six innings when you really should be maybe pulled after two and a third because you just don't have it which happens I mean that's that happens to a lot of starters so I think just I'm really interested to see if we can kind of get away from that just kind of that cycle of you know letting starters maybe go a little deeper and then having you know having more of a plan for the bullpen and for yeah you know Lopez Duran Vagant kind of having a you know, a system in place where you kind of know who's, what the role is. And yeah, hopefully Caleb Theobar, I mean, you're right. He had a great season. I think it was kind of one of the unsung heroes a little bit. I mean, he might be ahead of Lopez on the yeah. on the depth chart right yeah. now, you know, as maybe a potential eighth inning guy. Yeah, Lopez did, you know, and he came in after that trade and uh, struggled right. a bit, um, you know, which I, I think, fans made me expect it a little more out of him but uh, yeah I think there's some some concerns with kind of the, the closing roles but 
Ross, you know? Mid-season trades are always tough because you always assume that who you traded for, especially if you're a team that's buying like the Twins were doing, that that player is going to come in and help you. And obviously the organization thinks that, but these aren't, you know, computer algorithms. These aren't, you know, players on a video game. They're real people. So sometimes the human element comes into play. You know, sometimes guys go to a place, they immediately get charged up by being there and they they play really well. Sometimes it goes the other way. And maybe that's what happened a little bit with Lopez. Hopefully he'll be settled down going into this upcoming season. On that bullpen thing that Heather was talking about with guys getting taxed, Rocco's pretty much said as much, you know, Chris Archer's not going to be out there every fifth day throwing three innings or four innings. Dylan Bundy, actually, ironically, for a guy who got pulled a lot early, actually did have some of their longer length starts last year, but he's gone. Rocco has pretty much, he hasn't flat out said it, but he's tap danced around it that, yeah, he expects these pitchers to pitch longer into games. Pablo Lopez has a track record of pitching into the seventh and eighth inning. I think that's what they expect him to do. If, if healthy, Sonny Gray's always done that. I, I don't think the organization would really want to talk about this this much, but Sonny pretty much hinted at it last oh, year. That he, he did more he, than he, yeah, he, he wanted to pitch more in games, and, and maybe he'll get that wish this year. And if they're able to do those things and, and do it well, by the way, not just pitch into the sixth or seventh inning to Heather's point because you have to wear it because everybody's taxed. But if you can pitch to the sixth and seventh inning and then it immediately just gets turned over to your two or three best relievers – Everybody's going to be in a good mood if that's the case. Because the Twins will win a lot. The Twins will win a lot of games if that's the formula. For sure. And those, I mean, that starting staff has. I mean, they got swagger. Joe Ryan doesn't walk out of that game. He's got some swagger. Tyler Mayo last year before he got hurt. I mean, he works so fast, and then he's just daring Rocco to come get him. Right? Like if I don't look, if I just keep throwing pitches and don't look anywhere, he's not going to come get me. And those are what you want from those guys. And you know, back to Lopez in the bullpen. He went from being on an awful team with no pressure in Baltimore. Yes. All of a sudden, he's yep. thrust right. in, yeah. and maybe that means and that's the human handle, element part. Maybe that means he can't handle it long term. But it also just could mean for four months he had no pressure, and all of a sudden he did. I mean, look at it. You know, Carl Pavano was fine in Minnesota. Terrible yeah. New York. Some guys, some guys have to find a situation where they can fit into a role. And Lopez maybe not necessarily being having to be the ninth inning guy and easing into a little more. Maybe it'll, it'll be more successful for him. Years ago, Carl Pavano had one of the best lines of all time. He was pitching for the Twins at the time, I believe. May have been pitching for the Indians. And he was asked by the Yankees beat writers what was his favorite memory in Yankee Stadium. And he said Game 6 of the 2003 World Series. He was pitching for the Florida Marlins at that time. Yeah. So he basically had this whole four-year period with the Yankees and basically just told them, yeah, I have no memories here. But I I think that goes back to exactly, you know, what we just spent a little bit of time on. Great point on Lopez. Also now, again, just like Correa, maybe he's a little bit more used to the area. He's a bit more used to the organization. What the pitching coach and what the manager wanted from him in Baltimore, maybe not the exact same thing they wanted from him in Minnesota. So it'll be another interesting thing to see how that plays out. It's a live arm though. Like there, there's stuff there and it's the same thing. I always say about Pagan. I understand why the twins don't want to cut bait. I mean, I I think if you watch him throw the ball and you see what his pitches do, we can fix them. Yeah. We can, you see a lot of stuff there. My main problem with Pagan has always been, he does have great stuff. It doesn't matter how good your stuff is if you're behind in every count, 3-1 or 2-1 or 3-2. Or good major league pitchers or hitters, excuse me, are going to know what's coming. It doesn't matter how good your stuff is. 
and oftentimes his pitch location is poor too, which I don't know if that's him or if that's right. or if that's a, a managerial thing. But you can see why they like him. But will they ever be able to fix him? I, I don't know. I lose faith by the day. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit here. Another from the response of ours, Jimmy's. Um, we love. I love Jimmy's. I we have Jimmy's in our house all the time. There's no better time than for the winter months, especially from Jimmy's chunky blue cheese. I'm sad I don't have any here to eat because we do love eating on this show. Uh, <laughs> dipping with wings for football. You got buffalo chicken dip, Cobb salad, so much more. Well, we'll use that for the hockey playoffs too. Jimmy's grandson Griff is big on mixing. Ooh, ooh, I like to hear this. Chunky blue cheese and the French dressing. It's a Midwestern mm. delicacy. You can get that recipe on jimmysdressing.com. Heather, um, we got a little time left. I want to talk about the rule changes, which were significant and I think a little bit underplayed maybe through the, through the winter. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is like starting day one of spring training. Does she get the rule changes question because of the last name? I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I was left out yes, of that one. Absolutely. She's going to yeah. get the first one. <laughs> um, we'll start with the pitching clock because I think it's been more controversial. I'm a little bit more interested in the shift anyways. And I, I, I like the shift, the lack of shift a little more. But um, pitch clock, some batters in particular have already gotten burned on it because I think they have eight seconds. It's it's not a lot of time to get in. Um, this isn't Nomar Garcia Para doing his all the things. Um, how do you like the the pitch the pitch clock? As someone who's got to work all the games, you probably yeah. love well, getting out of there at thirty minutes depends, earlier. Right? Right. Are you an hourly employee? Because I, if you're an well, hourly see, employee, that's the thing. Yeah, see, I am hourly, so now let me yeah, rethink this. Worst um, rule ever, Heather. Yeah, no, it's it's terrible. Um, you know, I think it, there was a, a game earlier this season in spring training. It wasn't the Twins, but it was. Um, I don't remember the team's now, but it got publicized because it was the bases were loaded, right? And it was you read that the they takeout, up, yes. They yep. ended up walking in the guy, and I, I heard like the call from the broadcasters that they were just so intense about it. And I thought, well, this isn't Game Seven of the World right. Series. Like this is why they're doing this guys now, will figure it out. and they're starting it now yep. to get guys acclimated and, and figured out, which I think is great to do this in in spring training. Um, I think. I'll have to kind of watch it play out first to see like in the regular season, kind of the flow of it and, and how it goes. But initially I think it's a good idea to try and at least try and do something to speed up the game. I mean, there's so many games that are just so long and guys are in there. They don't even swing. They just stay in there and take a pitch and they got to step out and adjust their batting gloves and tap their helmet and all this stuff. And um, I think cutting down on a lot of that would be really helpful to try and, speed up the game you, you know you look at some of the game times the time of game from like not even that long ago not even you know like 10 20 years ago and how the average time of game is just creeping up and up and up and people don't have they don't have the attentions they don't have that's a whole nother rabbit hole conversation but <laughs> for for baseball but you know yeah to do anything to try and speed it up a, a little bit i think is you know, a good idea april you play half the teams are in the north the outfielders stand out there with a with yeah, like an entire is. thing around their head. You've got the fans wearing plastic bags because it's so cold. Like speed up the game a little bit, Ross. Another one that is made for that same reason. And this one hasn't gotten a lot of publicity, um, and it's going to burn some people. And I kind of like it. Is the three <laughs> maximum three step off the rubber? Now that's not three pickoff throws to first. That's you. You step off and look over. That's one. Yep. And number four is a balk. And I think that as much as the pick clock, the pitch clock is going to speed things up. 
there are, first of all, I think it's going to help stolen bases, which they want to do as yeah. well and help scoring. But there are some pitchers that have abused that for far too long. Well, and I think every rule that they did was to do two things, speed up the game and increase scoring. And I, and I do think that these rules will lead to that. I think we've already kind of seen it in spring training. I was just flipping through a game and the same rule that you were talking about came into play where a guy did end up, I believe he ended up getting walked because of the stepping off the mound. But the final score of the game was like 12 to 7, and they played it in two hours and 47 minutes. And it was a spring training game. I'm like, this is this is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I love baseball. Okay. I, I it's for me, all this all the sports are basically one A, one B, one C, and one D. It's really tough for me to tell you which one that I love more. But I can tell you, even in the last handful of years, there are nights I don't want to go on a weeknight because I know I won't get out of there till. 10 30 ish mm-hmm. then i'm not asleep till midnight after midnight and i'm a i'm a working schlub right i'm a working man i gotta get up and go to work that's that's tough to do and major league baseball for the longest time has made all these small changes to try and speed up the game and none of them did right well now they've made this conscious effort and i think all these things in the long run will be good maybe they'll be tweaked i mean i i do think sometimes when you have a batter that's in there and the pitcher's getting it back and really just rock and fire before the batter can really even get set or comfortable, I don't know, maybe that will be tweaked in time. But overall, I think these are these are good for people. Baseball's a family sport. What family wants to go to a game on a Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or Thursday night if they know they're going to be there for four and a half hours? This will all help with that. I think ultimately, like, they might, you're right, they might add two or three seconds to that clock. But the pitchers who pitch quickly yep. are really going to take advantage of this and they're going to be really really hard to hit off and to your point yeah. tyler malley i don't think the pitch clock affects him one bit no. yeah i want to talk about the uh the shift before we go and i uh, so the shift is gone you have to have you know two on each side of second base nobody in the outfield grass and um you know the shift has been around a long time it's obviously been around a little bit more um, and have used more in the last decade. But to me, you know, the, the Joey Gallo signing was like, oh, when it first happened. I mean, he was literally the worst statistic major leaguer the last one to two years. Um, but man, without the shift, it's a pretty, I think he got six million. It's a pretty low risk move for a guy, Ross, you can go first, who is going to have a hole now where he hasn't had a hole in a long time. And I think, you know, it's going to, this is the one that it won't speed up many games, but it's going to get more offense. It's going to get more players on base. It's going to excite the fans a little more. And it's going to add, add a little more strategy and a little bit more, you know, athleticism to the game. This is the big one, though, where I still think there's the most loopholes in it because so there's no shift, which you're right. There is no shift. By the old rules. But Gallo's already seen it in spring yeah. training where teams are essentially playing with two outfielders, basically uh what would it be, a left center fielder and a right center fielder, and then they're moving the left or right fielder into basically be a backup second baseman. The game is always going to correct and legislate and fix itself. This is one thing I was entirely wrong on. When teams started doing the overshifting, I said, well, Major League Baseball players, they're good. They'll figure it out. You know, even to this, if I'm Joey Gallo and I see that, I'm just going to literally stick the bat out. I'm going to wind up at second base yeah. because it's going to wind up over the third baseman's head. But, you know, Ryan, I, I honestly don't know if teams are already onto that 
did that rule even fix anything? Yeah. I mean, time will tell. I think we have to see it play out. But if you're a guy like Joey Gallo, you're excited about that. I always go back to even Joe Maurer. How many more hits might Joe Maurer have had in his career if he didn't have to deal with that exaggerated shift? I, I think the jury's out on this one. Of everything that they've done, I mean, I, I don't know how much it's going to change the game because the fact that teams are already just moving an outfielder around to basically be an extra infielder, I, I don't know. Now, maybe that won't actually happen in the in the regular season. Maybe teams won't do that quite as much. But it is still going to be up to guys like the Joey Gallows of the world and the Max Keplers to try and at least occasionally use the other part of the field to give off the... Uh, can I say facade? I don't know if yeah. that's the right word, but just to make other teams believe you are capable of going the opposite way so they can't do that to you. Aaron Judge isn't going to do it, but no, you know, well, Joey Gallo can do it. Right, Joey Gallo can do it. Heather, where are you on the shift? I'm, you know, I agree with Ross, actually. Oh, I think a rough place to be. <laughs> I think the... I think we'll have to see it play out. I think he's right, though, that, I mean, if teams are already figuring yeah. out how to kind of get around the rule... You know, I don't know how it, it's just it, it there'll still be there won't be a shift, I guess, quote unquote shift. But, yeah, if you're having two outfielders or doing they're going to find workarounds, I feel like, to try and, uh, you know, try and get around the rule. It's a very major league so. baseball thing to make a rule that is pretty easily um you pretty easily go around it yeah, with, no, with around no backup it. Yeah. plan in place. I do think, yeah. though, if you hit the ball on the ground, though, by reducing the infield shift, you are going to see more balls bleed through the infield mm. like you used to see in the 90s and the early 2000s, which will create excitement on the base paths and will create probably a little bit more scoring. So I do think that aspect of it will help. But again, with the extra outfielder essentially becoming an infielder, I don't know how much, so I yeah. really do want to see it. I actually am kind of excited to go to a game and just see the difference in the bases too, Ryan, because when they show it, I think MLB tweeted it, maybe it was the Twins, maybe it was Heather, a side-by-side -side of the bases, you go, wow, that new base is huge. Then you watch a game on TV and you're like, yeah, it looks the same to me. You know? So I think it'll be kind of nice to see it when you're there in person versus on TV. Wait, we, there's no speed and yeah. speed doesn't really matter anymore. So now it, it's going to matter. And those yeah. that foot is going to make make a big difference. Um, I'm going to get your predictions in a second for the season. Ross, you kind of gave us yours. So I'm going to do a sponsor okay. read real quick and you guys tee up your uh, your prediction. What kind do we have here? We've got the pineapple mango. This stuff is hot. It is not Heather or Ross friendly. Ross, what do you have down there? <laughs> Smoking hot mama. Yeah, the smoking hot mama is my I'm favorite. not touching that. Nope. The smoking I mean, hot mama besides is touching my... it like this. <laughs> uh, it's crunch time in hockey season, state tournaments, and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Gosh, it's right around the corner. Um, Kirill Kurizov's knee be damned. But there's no better way to enjoy hockey season than with the official salsa of hockey, Joe Mama's. Joe Mama's unique flavor wave starts tart, ends with a kick. Both these definitely end with a kick. It's like a magic carpet ride for your mouth. Warning, though, if you don't try Joe Mama's salsa... <laughs> Once, you may become a Jamamaholic. You can't say we didn't warn you. Um, My father, right. if he doesn't already love this stuff, will love it. Yeah, so I'm going to get some for him. Yeah, for sure. It's so good. Um, all right. So we're, we're looking five, six months down the line. They've probably made another move with the deadline. There's seven games up on Cleveland. Um, what's the what's is the sky the limit for this team all they have Heather is the where are they in in mid-September 
I think they'll be right there again. I mean, I don't know. It's probably a homer take. Let me just go with the. I mean, it's yeah, a coin so, toss then in Cleveland, really. At this point, <laughs> yeah, you, you think sure. it, it's a coin toss. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think. Yeah, it, it's still a relatively, you know, weak division when you look around baseball. So, yeah, I think. You know, in so much of last year, especially toward the end, it was kind of like, well, what next? Who next is going to be heading to the, you know, trainer um, on the injured list? And so you have to think that's going to turn on the depth, you know, the, the pitching depth they got. And, um, you know, I think down the stretch, they'll hopefully be healthier and be able to kind of finish off the the divisional race that they weren't able to last year, that they kind of, you know, had all year. And then it just you know, kind of fizzled out, fizzled out in a way. So I think they'll be able to to finish it off this time. Ross has already guaranteed a playoff spot. <laughs> well, first off, they better be healthier this year or another athletic trainer is going to lose his <laughs> job. So they better, they better be healthier. Game one at Yankee year. Stadium, Ross. The, uh, opening day starter might not matter. Who's your game one starter at Yankee Stadium and do they win the game? Well, a lot of that's predicated on what happens in the regular season, how quick you lock up your playoff spot. You can't lock me in on <laughs> so that Minnesota. one yet. You can't, you can't, you can't, Hedge everything. can't lock that's me right. down on that. Um, Look, I think the Twins are the only team in the division that you can make a case got better in the offseason. So I think that's a good sign. Assuming health, yeah, I think this is a playoff team. Do they win the division? I don't know. But I do think they'll get one of the playoff spots. If I had to guess, I think they will win the division. Cleveland, it's a lot to assume that all the young talent that Cleveland had last year I think it's a lot to assume that they will all replicate that this year. Doesn't mean that they won't. I'm not saying that they won't. I just think it's a it's a big assumption to assume that they all will. Look, we did the same thing with the Twins and look what happened to a lot of those players. They I don't know if they if regressed is a fair word, but they they reverted back a little bit more to the mean, right? I would expect that to happen with Cleveland. However, I still think Cleveland's probably a playoff team. So I do think those two teams are probably the playoff teams from this division. So I do think both will make it and we'll see who wins the division. But I I think, not think, I know, this is the year. They'll win a playoff game. You know, we haven't talked, the schedule's different this year. Yes. So you're not going to have... Playing the Marlins, the second series You're of the not going to have Kansas City. You're not going to be able to beat up on the bottom three teams in the division over and over and over. So for those you don't know, every every team will go, will go to every city this year, which is great for fans. Um, interleague play is just kind of like, it's not forgotten. It's just, it's built into the schedule. Yep. We've been doing it forever. Um, but man, yeah, Florida, the second, or yeah. excuse me, Miami. We haven't even talked, we, we will not get to the jerseys, I promise. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to have somebody, from the, somebody else from the Twins on this podcast sometime this year, so we, we won't talk about the M hat. Um, but just wrapping up, thanks for both for being here uh, big time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, big time, thank, thank you. you. And uh, make love not war. We want to thank Gabe from Green Screen Studios for being here with us late. Duke Cannon, Jamama Salsa, Jimmy's um, dressings and dips. And we will see you soon. Probably a little, little season preview around uh, opening day. Good night, everyone.